Hi, I'm Jamie. And I'm Beth. Welcome to Thief Steal Us the Podcast. Where I steal the podcast and I steal it back. Okie dokies. Today we are talking about the 14th episode of the fourth season, The Office Job. Beth, what did you think? Hardison's got bad news and starts with the bad news. So I, I'm also going to start with the bad news. Okay. I have one complaint okay. about today's episode. I don't think that's bad news. Like one is like a very well, low number. I guess the bad news is the complaint. Mm-hmm. And I want to get it out of the way so that we can move on. The bad news is not that you have one complaint, it's that you have a complaint. Yeah, the the complaint itself is the bad news, really. And I want to get it out of the way so we don't have to come up to it later. I very, very much dislike the camera guy's weird, pointed obsession with Parker. Mm -hmm. Every single instance of it made me uncomfortable. I felt like it was entirely unnecessary, added nothing to the episode Mm -hmm. or the plot or the character, and it just sucked. Here's the thing. I can relate to having a weird pointed obsession with Parker, but I do think Not in it, that way. I do think it is uncomfortable some of the ways that like I I understand him being obsessed with Parker. I do. But I'm just like I'm also kind of uncomfortable. Like there's just moments in this episode where I'm like, mm, but did we need to do that? Like I think him being obsessed with Parker is like quite funny actually. Like I think it's a nice addition, but I just hate the way they make him so creepy about it. Yeah, it's like, You know, it's like hiding in the bathroom to ambush her. Yeah, that's fucking gross. Gross. Getting the fucking... I don't know why Hardison gave him a fucking camera to, like, sit weird and, like, try to film her secretly without her knowing. With his groin. With his groin. Weird. Unnecessary. Like, you can have this episode and you can have him be, like, weirdly obsessed with Parker without having him be... Weirdly obsessed with Parker and also super duper creepy and also not respecting any sort of boundaries about it. Here's the thing. You know in uh, that Brooklyn Nine-Nine episode where they go to Holt and... Oh, what's his husband's name? Um, Kevin. Kevin, thank you. They go to Holt and Kevin's house and it's like for the Christmas party or whatever and then all of those psychology people are really are just obsessed with Gina. Yeah. I understand him being obsessed with Parker as like a... Like intellectually obsessed yeah. with Parker and the way that she performs within his documentary mm-hmm. like i understand that mm-hmm. but that's not what i'm talking about no he is obsessing over her in a weirdly sexual predatory way yeah. and i hate it like there's a scene where like nate is splitting them all up and he makes a point to like literally put his arm on parker or like put his hand on her yeah. shoulder and be like and where's like what about her where's she going and it's like none of your fucking business and who's going with her? Mm-hmm. And then Elliot literally says, like, not fucking you, mate. Yeah, and I'm like, no. I I just think, like like I said, I understand him being fascinated by her responses mm-hmm. as part of the documentary because she is behaving, obviously, very differently to everyone else he's interacting with. And he, she's also behaving in a way that, like, is very similar to how he behaves. Like, he's, he's obsessed with her because he sees, like, the same, like, it's the way that she's, like, all of her cards are like, oh, well get better or don't, it's not up to you. That's sort of like that like nihilistic perspective. He's like, oh, a kindred spirit, you know what I mean? Yeah. But then it, he makes it weird and creepy and predatory and sexual, and it's like, oh, that's not... That's not on. It's, yeah. They're both kind of... He's acting like he's a very invasive tourist, yeah. essentially. And Parker is just behaving like herself, yeah. but like in the same regard, she's coming off as like not respectful in the same way that he is and Mm. so i understand your point but whatever angle they were going for it came off predatory and weird and i very much disliked it yeah 
And they could have done the concept of him being obsessed with Parker without it being weird and creepy. Yeah, they did it with Mattingly literally like a couple episodes ago. Like, he was obsessed with her in the way that I might say, like, oh, my God, I am obsessed with that. Not like, you know, a you, like, television show you kind of obsessed. Like, there's very different contexts there. And the thing is, I think the other thing that really does it for me is the fact that at the end of the day, they, like, they still watch the documentary with him. Like, it's not like the team is like, oh, no, he was weird and creepy. Like, we don't give a shit. We're not. And I understand, like, for the episode why, like, they wanted to do that because, like, I think, like, as much as, like, I don't really love it as, like, sort of a way of, you know, validating his weird obsession with Parker and his behavior towards her. I don't think it validates By giving him extra access to Parker, I don't love that element of it. Like, I understand why they did it because it's a very funny scene to be like, oh, well, what did you think about the thing? And, like, you're the only one who understands me and my vision and her being like, I didn't really get it. I understand that, but it's like, there are just too many points in the episode where his obsession with her feels like... Predatory. Predatory. Weird and creepy and predatory. And clearly overstepping boundaries. Yeah. Like, the bathroom thing and yeah. the groin thrusting the thing, thing and... Th- like, I, I... At no point did it add anything, I no. don't think, to either characters or the plot or just the general vibe mm-hmm. of the episode. And I understand that the concept is it's supposed to be funny, but honestly, it feels to me like tall tales. Yeah. Like, that's the vibe. I'm like, it's not funny. You think yeah. it's funny, but it's really, really not. And it's like, it, it's again, a bit like tall tales. It's like, the basis of the joke could have been funny. Unfortunately, you... You took it in a weird direction. You took it in a weird direction. You went too far with it. You didn't just have the concept of, like, you know, he's sort of following her around with the camera or whatever because that's he's kind of his job. like a muse. Yeah. He's treating her like a sex object. Yeah. It's fucking... I hated it. Yeah. But the good news is that was the bad news. The rest of the episode is fucking iconic. The rest of the episode, I was having a wonderful, lovely time, and I just want to take a moment to appreciate the fact that I was fucking right. I know. Once. You said some they should really talk to HR about their relationship, and I'm like, oh, I wasn't even talking about that. I meant that I just was correcting my prediction last oh, week. Oh, yeah, no, you were like 100, like you are 100%, not even vaguely correct. You've actually, this week is an episode where you're actually like, there's a couple of things that you've said that have now come true. Yeah. Like, specifically, I'm thinking of, like, the fact you're like, oh, I would love it to be an office parody. Yeah. It's 100% an office parody. And I am so happy about that. No no area of this is, like, vague about that. It is, it is an office parody. Like, they're using a – it's a very similar set. Like, they're at a card company instead of a paper company. Like, yeah. basically, there's, like, they're like, oh, no, we're just going to steal, like, the office's set for a minute there. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Even to, where they do the confessional type yeah. interview scenes, it's like the exact same mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. window with the slatted blinds, yeah. blank wall. Like mm-hmm. it's just the same. They're it's, clearly it's like Hollywood show. Yeah. Like they're very specifically parodying yeah. this particular They're very specifically video. doing like they're they're consciously doing it. You can't tell me that it's a fucking accident. Like there <laughs> is no way in hell that this was an accident. Mm-hmm. But you know, like, they're very clearly pairing The Office. And also, you did say a couple of episodes ago, like, they should just talk to HR about their relationship. I genuinely like, cannot believe that that became, like, that that came to yeah, fruition. Yeah, 100% correct. I just, that is so funny. I did write it in they, all caps in my notes. To be fair, the HR rep was the mark, like, the villain of the week. Yeah. But you were still 100% correct. They did, in fact, talk to HR about their relationship. <laughs> And I do think that for me, like, this episode, as much as it's, like, not really that important as an episode, it is 
sort of a point where you can mark this as like a turning point for their relationship. Mm. This is a turning point for like realizing that what they do and how they interact is going to be different now because they are becoming more romantically involved instead of just doing the sort of running around after each other thing they were doing previously. Yeah, I don't know. I am still not that captivated mm-hmm. by the whole Nate, Sophie yeah. development. Only because, and I mean, I've said this before and I'll say it again, it doesn't feel revolutionary to me. Like, they feel it's a foregone conclusion and they're just dragging it out for no fucking reason. Mm-hmm. Like, we all know. We all know. We all been new. We've been new for fucking three mm-hmm. seasons at minimum at this point. Yeah. And I'm kind of like... Just because Nate takes fucking forever to process his shit doesn't mean that the audience is taking forever to process this shit. Like, and I get that that's part of his character. Yeah. But I'm also kind of like, I'm just less interested because, you know when you're listening to someone talk and you've like already come to the conclusion you know they're going to reach, but it's going to take them five more minutes? Like, that's how I assume listening to this podcast is sometimes. You know? (laughs) Like, that's how I feel watching Nate. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We already know what decision you're going to make. Yeah. But you're going to take another five to seven episodes to get there. Like, we know we you're in love with Sophie. You're trying to fucking deny it, but we know. Yeah. Sophie knows. The rest of the crew fucking knows. He's just a bit it's fucking just slow you. on the uptake. Like, he's the only one who doesn't seem to have acknowledged it at this point. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like, I'm interested to know, because at the end of this episode, Sophie goes to, like, talk to him to kind of, like, patch things over. And I did think it was interesting... To have this, and I know that we kind of watched the episodes a bit out of order, but having last week with, like, Parker and Hardison having that little spat mm-hmm. and, like, the genuine white flag and moment. To be fair, this is meant to be viewed after that. So the order oh, okay. that we watched in was girls' night out job, boys' night out job, experimental job, office job. It's meant to be experimental job, office job, boys' night out job, girls' night out job is the actual sure. proper order. So this was still meant to be after last week, so we're just not meant to have seen well, that's interesting. the boys' night out and girls' night out job. That's interesting because... In the boys' night out, and the girls' night out job, actually, in the beginning scene, Sophie makes a point of telling Elliot, like, make sure that he has fun kind of thing. Like, don't let him... Don't let him go off and sulk. Yeah. Is, I think, the exact quote. And that's interesting because in this episode, they make a point during one of the interviews to ask him if he has any friends or hobbies outside of work. And, yeah. like, clearly it's one of the things they've gotten from Sophie, and it's very pointed. But that that's interesting, knowing that is the supposed... Yeah. Uh, or the proper order. But the other thing I was going to say before is that I think it's interesting having Nate and Sophie have sort of like a similar approach to making up from their sort of spats that we had Hardison and Parker having. Like they were both kind of like, okay, like we both said some stuff or like we're both like emotional, like let's like, I'm sorry, like let's talk about it kind of thing. And particularly in this episode, I thought it was interesting because Nate sort of stops Sophie from continuing and he gives her the card. And obviously the audience isn't privy to what the card says. And I don't think it's surprising to learn that we never find out what the card says. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that it is, in my mind, I think that it's a nice touch because Nate is not very good at vocalising shit. And like I said, it takes him five to ten business Mm -hmm. days to come to a fucking conclusion. Mm -hmm. And I think maybe... I don't know if he would have written in the card like explicitly like an I love you type mm-hmm. situation, but I feel like maybe it's easier for him to communicate how he's feeling if he can express it in a way that isn't vocal. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So I feel like, and the way that Sophie kind of reacted to the card mm-hmm. and like she's clearly happy with it, she stopped pressing the issue. Yeah. Like I imagine that if there's not some kind of declaration there, it's definitely some kind of like acknowledgement of like deeper emotion than maybe he's been willing to admit to 
in the recent episodes that we've yeah. seen. Look, personally for me, I do think this is like a... Like, for me, when I think of this episode, I'm like, oh, this is the episode where, like, Nate finally works his shit out. Like, it's like the first piece clicking into place of, like, okay, well, obviously we're going to do this. We've got to do this properly. We've got to do this in such a way that, like, it's not going to negatively impact the team. Mm. And I think despite the fact that, you know, Miss, like, not Miss Crystal, that Felicia or Felicity? Felicia? I have no idea. The HR lady. Despite the fact that the HR lady is, like, evil, she actually does have a genuine point. Mm -hmm. And that, like, the interpersonal relationships within the team will impact how they run. And we've, like, again, this is something that's, like, we've been new. Yeah. Like, we've been talking, we ourselves have been talking about this for fucking seasons at this point. Like, we've been new. (laughs) It's, that is not exposition for the sake of the audience. No. It is exposition for the sake of Nate, specifically. Yes. And getting it through his thick fucking head. Yeah. I also think that this show functions... Like, we compare Supernatural and Leverage a lot. Yeah. For me, Leverage is a general audience sort of show. Oh, yes. I can Leverage is a general audience sort of show. Like, Supernatural is a show for the Tin Hatters. Like, you know <laughs> what I mean? Like, if you're not playing the 8D chess, Supernatural is not worth it. Do you know what's... It's really funny that you say that because I, I do agree purely because I think that Leverage is the kind of show that I could turn on an episode and I could enjoy it pretty much as fully if I saw it out of context mm-hmm. as I could if I watched it in context. Yeah. Supernatural is like, there are explicit episodes I could watch out of context and enjoy it. But even then... I would be fundamentally underappreciating it. Yeah. It'd be like watching Changing Channels and not understanding the trickster yeah. reveal at the end of the episode <laughs> and being like, oh, okay, what's that What's that even for? Yeah. Like, you know, I so yeah, I fully understand what you're, where you're going with that. So I think the reason why it feels so painfully obvious for you and the reason why it feels quite repetitive is simply because it's not made for watching it the way we're watching it. Yeah. Full stop. It's just not. It's made for a general audience yeah. and it's made for, you know, you turn on the TV every week and you're not necessarily really closely following along the plot lines or the character development. You're turning on the TV every week and you just want an episode of TV that's going to be entertaining. Yeah. We actually had a conversation Mm -hmm. while we were having lunch today before we started recording and it basically boils down to like, it's just not that deep. No. But that's by design. It's consistent. Yeah, it's consistent. There's no like secret cocaine in it, you know? (laughs) You're so right. You know, there, it's it's because it's so condis- consistent, it's also less addicting. I think as a person who is used to, mm-hmm. like, delving for things, mm-hmm. sometimes leverage feels so surface level. I'm kind of like, yeah, I get it. Yeah. But in saying that, like, Supernatural is void of that either. Yeah, no. And, like, yeah. I want to just talk about, there's one moment in this episode that, like, I think is probably, it's not that deep, but it's probably one of the deeper moments in this episode and I think it's just so funny because at the start of the season, we had the 10 Little Grifters job mm-hmm. in which Elliot explicitly says, the way I get information is loud and messy. This episode, we have Nate saying, oh, yeah, we're going to, you know, subtle and quietly get the information. And then he sends Elliot, Elliot, who we've 10 episodes earlier gotten the confirmation that cannot, he can't do it subtly and quietly. He is loud and messy. I, yeah, look, I think that this episode was very fun for Elliot in particular Mm. because, like, Elliot has a very specific skill set. 
we're very aware of this. Yeah. And the thing is that his particular skill set is very difficult to disguise in this kind of setting. And I think that's why, like, sometimes we're, when we're watching episodes, I feel like Elliot is underutilized. But the only reason I say that is because his special skill is beating people up. Mm-hmm. And sometimes there's just no good way to do that in the environments yeah. that they're working in because it just doesn't really make a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. And this is one of them. Yeah. Because you can't just go around office buildings beating <laughs> the shit out of people. And if you do, you then have to make sure no one's going to find the body lying around. Like, yeah. the only real places that we get to see Elliot sort of use his specific skill set is in the, like, warehouse area where mm-hmm. he has to track someone down, like, alone and <laughs> make sure that, like, they're by themselves or whatever the fuck. And the only other time is when they're on the roof and he can just leave the bodies up there. Like, I feel like it's very fun to like see him still like working within the confines but like I do understand why they might find it difficult to find places for him in episodes like this and that's why my favorite thing is when they don't know what to do with Elliot Mm. nine times out of ten they just pair him up with Hardison and have them bitching at each other the entire episode yes they're like "Mm, we're gonna make him Hardison's problem Yes. And they're just going to be bickering. And do you know what? I love that for them. I think that Hardison and Elliot having that, like, B-plot about the sandwich this episode yeah. is genuinely so fucking funny. Although, quick tangential side yeah. note. I don't eat a lot of bagels just because they're not really a big... Like, they're not an Australian thing. They're not like, a cultural... Yeah. We don't really have... We, we you have, can get a bagel if you want to, but, like... But, like, I'm not going to, like, going through the local shops, I'm not going to find a bagel section. Like, we don't go to a bakery and buy bagels. I don't even know if you get bagels from bakery. Anyway, point is, not big bagel eaters. No. However, I will argue that I don't think you can make a sandwich out of a bagel. No. It has a fucking hole in the middle of it. That's kind of the point. And this is maybe a hot take for some Americans out there. But, like, for me, sandwich is on sandwich bread. bread. It's like a loaf of bread. It is sandwich bread. This is like if it is on a burger bun, it is a burger. It doesn't matter what's on there. If it's oh on a burger God. bun, it is a burger. Thank you. Because when Americans... No offense. But when Americans call chicken burgers chicken sandwiches, it pisses me the fuck off. I'm like, what do you mean? It's it's a burger. It's it, on a bun. It's it is on a burger. a burger bun. It is a burger. It may be chicken, but it is a burger. And if you made that same meal, but on bread instead of a bun... Then it's a sandwich. Then it's a sandwich. Thank you. What's the difference? <laughs> PSA in the leverage episode this week. This episode and last episode is really just cultural differences, the episodes. But yes, no, I don't think that a bagel constitutes a sandwich. Maybe that's just, you know, come the, talk to me about it in the Discord. But The like, description of it does sound delicious. I think we should make it. Yeah. Like, I don't think it's a sandwich, but I think we should make it yeah. because it does sound delightful. It, it does sound delightful. Mm. I do want to say, though, Hardison starts this episode to eating food that is not his is wild Dean to me. He's just like, <laughs> I'm going through this random dude's office that I don't really know, but he's left chocolate in the fridge, so therefore I'm going to eat it. Mm-hmm. Like, wild to me. I'm like... Yeah. I do love the, like, back and forth. Like, this episode isn't just about the sandwich. With Elliot and Hardison, because it's also, like, at the very beginning, like, Elliot takes the drink, and then Hardison tries to take the chocolate, yeah. and it's, like, basically anytime either of them is, like, attempting to snack, the other one is onto them. Yeah. And I just think it's very fun. And, like, 
Hardison eating lollies and stuff is pretty well established through the ep- like through the series. So I'm like not mad that he was gonna eat that dude's chocolate, but I am also kind of like, you realize you're being filmed right now, bro. Like, like that, is that so was the bit. Rude. That was the bit that was off for me. I was yeah. like, why would you do it when you know you're being literally documented right now? Like I understand stealing Elliot's sandwich. Yeah, there like, was no film camera involved. There's no there. film camera involved, and also you're on the same team. Like you know Elliot really well. You're basically family at this point. Like you've no, you've been working pretty closely together for the last four years. I am obsessed with the very very end of this episode though, having Hardison eating a different sandwich and then being like, "Yeah, I ate his sandwich, and it was delicious. And if I didn't think he'd beat me, I'd thank him." <laughs> like it's so funny. Also, Chef Elliot, my beloved. But yes, no, Elliot and Hardison bickering this entire episode, such a delight to me. It was giving such sibling energy. This episode is just chock-a-block worth of bickering, and I love that I'm for obsessed. It. And do you know what? I kind of love that they put it in this episode because it's all also pretty low-stakes bickering. Yeah. But it does feel very, like, office culture. Mm-hmm. Like, it's literally like, oh, someone took a sandwich out of the, yeah. like, company fridge and ate it when they weren't supposed to. It's like they took someone else's lunch and yeah. that's the plot. Yeah. You know? And, like, Sophie and Nate literally having a interpersonal relationship at work and having to go to HR. Like, yeah. that's just a corporate plot. And I do think that that's very – like, it's a very fun way for them to incorporate very – office culture things into a not office culture show Mm -hmm. and it's like it's just like a fun little checkpoint of this is where we are up to this is where the characters are at with their relationships Mm -hmm. this is sort of how they're feeling Mm -hmm. yes oh i have one more point on elliot and hardison's bickering i cannot believe that my boy hardison who i love i cannot believe he betrayed the sanctity of hi-fi for morale (laughs) as a way to take back the drink i was livid. I was like, no, that is sacred. And you just spat in its face. I, I could not believe it. See, I thought you were going to say that you were mad that they, like, it was yet another situation in which Hardison almost died. Oh, yeah, that girl like, too. This poor man. He's, like, getting thrown off of buildings. He's getting buried alive. He's getting kidnapped. Like, this season, they were really, like, how many life-threatening situations can we put this man in? They were really, like, how many times can we get to plan M? Yeah. You know? Crazy. Or maybe plan N because he doesn't quite die. (laughs) He gets to the couple of seconds before. Yeah, I'm thinking this is somewhere between, like, J and L. You know? (laughs) I also love that Nate gives him the uh, alias Mr. Gates from IT and then specifies no relation. (laughs) Like, it took me half a second to get the joke because I'm so used to it, like, in, like, Supernatural, it'll be, like, Sam and Dean might, like, give the same surname as an alias and be like, oh, but, like, no relation kind of thing. And so I was like... Nate didn't say his surname was Gates. And then I was like, oh, I'm stupid. That's actually quite funny. (laughs) So I did enjoy that a lot. I also just like the peak sibling energy this episode of fucking Elliot sitting there and the confessional thing going, no one gets to throw Hardison off a roof. Mm -hmm. Except maybe me. Like, peak sibling energy. Yeah. Like, I can beat up my sibling, but if you try to beat up my sibling. Oh, yeah. That's not how it works. It's different. Yeah. I want to mention something about the water cooler. Mm-hmm. They kept focusing in on the water yeah. cooler. And like to the point where at the very start of the episode, when they realize that there's like documentary going on, like there's the whole monologue that the, yeah. the dude has about it. And I was kind of like, okay, they're, they're just using this as a way to introduce him as this eccentric kind yeah. of character. Like, okay. But then they kept focusing on the water cooler. 
And I was like, something, like, they're doing something here. And yeah. I wasn't sure if it was, like, an Office reference, because it's not actually a show I've ever watched. Mm. Neither. I don't know if it's specifically an Office reference. What I thought is it's meant to make the episode feel more like the documentary that he made. Oh, well, that's not what I was going to go mm. with that at all. I think that it's like an egg timer. Yeah. You know, like uh, like an hourglass. Mm-hmm. Because as the episode progresses, the water slowly bubbles down. Yeah. And throughout the episode, they're talking about how, like, we only have X, Y, Z amount of time. Yeah. We only have X, Y, Z amount of time. And I was like, oh, that's really interesting. Because he mentions that the water is slowly leaking out of the jug. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, it's like sand through the hourglass. Yeah. This is actually depicting for the audience the passage of time because i'm pretty sure at the start of the episode they say they have like a couple of days or like a week or it's something. like a week yeah and then by the end of the episode it's like no the meeting is this afternoon mm-hmm. but at no point do we ever leave the office so we don't actually get like the beginning and end of each day so as a way to show that there is a passage of time happening it's the water mm-hmm. cooler dropping and i was like oh that is actually really really fucking mm-hmm. clever and i really enjoyed it because I think that if they didn't keep cutting to that, it would feel like they literally did this whole con in mm-hmm. one afternoon because yeah. you never leave the office. And that makes yeah. sense because it's the documentary mm-hmm. that we're viewing. Yeah. You know, which... From, and so I think it's, yeah, I think it's actually a combo. I think from like a meta textual perspective, the water cooler is like a good way to track like, oh, time is passing. Like it's slowly getting like lower and lower as people like, you know, get a drink of water it or it leaks. and it leaks yeah. a little bit and like that sort of stuff. But I think it's also, from, like, a production standpoint, designed to make it feel more like... Because you do have the filmmaker sort of obsessing over the water cooler, which means that then it makes it feel more like something that he's produced because, you know, he's already looking at the water cooler as a metaphor. metaphor. So it's, like, like double whammy, dual purpose, helps you keep track of, like, where we are in the episode, like, Mm -hmm. how much time has passed, like, you know what I mean, like... that sort of stuff but it's also like a fun way to like remind the audience oh this is kind of getting filtered through the perspective of this filmmaker Mm -hmm. who is obsessed with the water cooler yeah also i wanted to make a quick note i was watching that monologue about the water cooler and that first interaction with nate and i have no idea anything that they were saying because i was so hyper focused on the fact that i was like i recognize this character from somewhere why does he feel so familiar what like why do i know him and i finally fucking figured out what it was have you ever watched the movie atlantis like the one where they go and you like, like Milo? Milo? yeah yes okay do you remember gayton moliere the guy who like drills through everything yeah the dirt guy mm-hmm. the dirt guy that is the same character to me i was watching this and i was like where the fuck do i know this dude from why is his voice and he's like, like, is it played by the, the same actor? I have no idea. But something about like the accent plus the mannerisms plus the like specific cadence of his dialect, like it just sounds to me like that one guy who loves dirt from Atlantis. Like I just, and then as soon as I figured it out, I couldn't unsee it. I was like, that is just like they're the same person to me. This is a shared universe, and like. The whole documentary thing didn't pan out, so he went into dirt. He went into dirt. Okay. I mean, that's an option, I guess. Like, mm-hmm. I just couldn't unsee it. Oh, and actually, while we're talking about things in this episode that reminded me of other media, dinosaurs in love. Yeah. 
Do you know about the song? I'm going to play it for you right now. And if you listening don't know what song this is, we'll link it in the episode description. Go away. Come back. Yeah. You know, like. But here, I'm going to play it for Jamie. Anyway, so as soon as Parker said that, I was like, oh, like, that's all I could think about was dinosaurs in love, but they didn't say goodbye. (laughs) That is just absolutely bloody wild to me. Like, that is. It really hit me. I was like, I was not expecting this to ever be relevant. (laughs) You know what, though? Like, Loki, some of the cards park, like, not the ones that she displays in the the meetings. The meeting. That that scene also made zero sense to me. Like, I didn't hate it in the same way that I hated the way that he was, like, weirdly predatory all episode. Yeah. has certainly... That's also a... Like, the Eskimo kisses joke is also a joke that has aged poorly. Yeah. And if you don't know how, look at the history of that phrase and that saying, and it's like, "Mm, that's not a good look. Look, uh, obviously, at the time, it was not well known. They weren't trying to make a statement, but unfortunately, they did make a bad statement with that one. Yeah, but also... Big yikes. Big yikes. And then the whole presentation itself, I felt like was a little bit of a discredit to Parker. Yeah, because, like, to be fair, some of the cards that she, like, the, like, get well soon or don't, it's not your choice. That's hilarious. I think that's actually so fucking funny. If someone gave me that card, like, if I was ill or I'd broken my leg or something, and someone gave me that card, I would have a giggle. And, like, the little, (laughs) like, I think it's meant to be, like, a caterpillar or a worm with, like, the little, like, thermometer hanging out of its Mm -hmm. mouth is so fucking cute. Yeah. Like, and something about the presentation she gives, I'm like, I feel like it's a disc. It kind of gives me the same vibe. Do you remember I was annoyed about the pinata thing? Yeah. And I was like, it feels like they're just trying to make Parker silly and quirky and like not actually thinking about what her character would do. Yeah. That's kind of how it feels. Because I'm like, Parker is not going to purposefully endanger the con. Like, they're trying to save this company. That is the purpose. Yeah. She is not going to actively do stuff. Like, it's a bit different her mucking around with the employees because they're all kind of just stringing them along, kind of like Sophie, making them stick their finger in each other's ears. And literally, that's what Nate says at the start of the episode. He says, Parker and Sophie are going to distract them. Yeah. Me, Elliot Hardison, are going to be working on finding the evidence that we need to prove these claims so that we can get it sorted. Exactly. And so... Parker and Sophie being, like, big and outlandish and a bit ridiculous is a perfect way to distract people from the other shit that's happening around them because they're just paying less attention to the stuff that's not obnoxious and loud and pissing them off. But, like, actually making it the presentation and endangering the company they're trying to save is a bad play Mm -hmm. on everyone's part. Yeah. Like, it just... They would have been better Sophie getting up there to stall. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, because I understand the idea behind it, but it's also, like, well... I would understand that idea. Like, here's the thing. I The presentation aspect's not the bit that I'm, like, annoyed at. I'm annoyed at the fact that, like, those are the cards. Because we'd seen the cards that Parker had been producing, and they're not, like, you know, a thank you card with a dead body on it. Like, that is... Which I also think, like, some of the, the cards that Parker was making, like... I understand that the point is they're a bit inappropriate, but they can, they make sense. They're funny. They're kind of low-key funny. Yeah. Like I said, if someone gave me that get well card, I would laugh. Mm-hmm. But the ones that are presented are just like so bizarre that it's like, okay, where is the connection? Because Parker would have had a reason to pair that phrase yeah. with that image. And I, for my fucking life, 
cannot figure it out. I, I think I've worked out. Okay, so she had the three cards. One was like happy birthday and it was the vultures. Mm. One was thank you and it was the body with the toe tag. Mm-hmm. And then the other one was, I don't know. Oh, I, I can't remember. remember. So we're discounting that one because I don't remember it. But the one with the body, the thank you card, that is for when you hire a hitman to take out your family member. Okay. It's specifically for that situation. It's like, thank you for assassinating my Okay, know. I see. I get that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've, I've figured it out. I've cracked the code. It's just a very specific card. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but no, it. a lot of them don't make sense. And, like, I get having her presentation be kind of cringy mm. and, like, kind of inappropriate. But, yeah, it's just wild to me that, like, Sophie's like, no, I'm going to push Parker up there despite the fact that she would have known this was coming. Mm. Like, also, she had a presentation ready to go, apparently, which yeah. also doesn't make sense given the fact that they literally just decided she was going to get uh-huh. up there and stop. And also, they're efficiency consultants. Why are they presenting Why are they at presenting? all? Yeah. Like, it doesn't make any fucking sense. Oh, actually, what I did love, though, was Sophie's impromptu, like, class. I don't really know what to call it, but, like... I fucking loved that scene. I just think it is so funny. It really was like giving, you know, when you are in one of those like team bonding fucking sessions that we might do when it's yeah. like a personal professional development day or some mm-hmm. shit, or you're going into a new class and they do icebreakers. Yeah. That's what it was giving. And I was like, this is horrible and awkward. Everyone is uncomfortable. No one wants to participate. And that is the exact real life energy. <laughs> and that's the exact reason why Sophie's doing it. Mm-hmm. Because that is the energy that she wants to like, that's what, that's the plan. That's how she's going to distract him. Yeah. By making, it is wild to me. Like, I don't know if I could do it. I don't know if I could stick my finger in one of my co-workers ears. That's fucking weird. I don't think I could stick my finger in my friend's ear without it. Like, do you know what I mean? It's, it's, why would you do mm, that? I do think it's very funny, the bit where they're clearly, like, gearing up to do trust falls. Mm. And, like, she's like, oh, I'm going to talk to this one person here. Like, who's head editor? He steps away. And the lady's just like, I'm just going to fall now. Like, despite the fact that she can probably sense that he's moved away. Oh, yeah. She's yeah. like, I'm just going to fall. Do you think that was just her trying to get out of Sophie's, like... God fucking knows, honestly. No, it's... That whole situation, though, was, like, very, very fun. And I did enjoy, like, the bit with, like, you know, she's like, we're going to pretend to be monkeys. And, like, something about the character that she's embodying, I was very fond of as well. Something about the way she's like, do monkeys hop? Or is that bunnies? Like, I just... Very, very fun. Oh, mm-hmm. one other thing. Yeah. That, like, I don't know if it's, like, it's aged poorly necessarily or if it was just, like, in poor taste just generally. But when there's, like, the bickering between Nate and Sophie and they're, like, going back and forth between the individual confessional interviews, Mm -hmm. which I genuinely very much enjoyed, except for this one fucking thing, which is when they're kind of, like, indirectly giving Sophie shit about her acting career and Mm -hmm. stuff. And I was like, okay, like, you know, it fizzled out and, like, whatever the fuck... But they blame it on her age. Mm-hmm. Like, that is the reason that they cite, that Nate has clearly implied, yeah. is that she got old. Yeah. And it, and I was like, I don't like that. Like, I don't love the ageism mm-hmm. of that. Because I... Like, implying that she's not a very good actress is, is like, one thing. But to be like... You got old and you're therefore no longer mm. desirable. You are therefore no longer fitting to mm. be an actress because an actress should be, you know, 
It's particularly something that is used against women, mm-hmm. especially. Like, not that ageism is specifically gendered, but particularly in, like, terms of beauty standards and the Even if you just look at, like, industry. the number of, you know, male actors who have been named, like, sexiest man alive when they're in their, like, 40s and 50s versus, like... I think Meryl Streep has actually talked about this. I'm pretty sure it was her who was saying that as soon as she turned 40 or something, the only role she was being offered was, like, witch or yeah. hag or spinster. Or and mother then, or grandmother or, yeah. like... And it's like, Jesus fuck. Like... Can women really not have nice things? Like, like, are we never allowed to just be? Like, must we always just... What's wrong with aging? Like, literally. I'm like, everyone... You would hope to age. Mm-hmm. It's actually... A good sign if you're getting old. Yeah. Like, that means that you lived. Anyway, despite the kind of icky implications of ageism in that section, Mm. I do think we learned some very fun, like, little bits and bobs about the characters because of it. I I really enjoyed the way they sort of take, like, they toe the line between, like, what's actually happening here. Because obviously we get... You know, we get some things that are, like, just just generally funny. Like, we get apparently Nate doesn't like foreplay, which is oh, wild. The fucking implication. The funniest part of that for me is that, number one, it comes out of fucking nowhere. Because, like, up until that point, it's very, like, it's generalized barbs. And yeah. then he goes, now that's a lie. I love foreplay. And you're like, whoa, where did that come from? But then the funniest fucking part to me is that the next scene goes to Sophie, she doesn't say shit, and then it goes back to Nate, and he just holds up the card that says, like, fuck, fuck this. this. And I'm like, what did, did she did she say? Like, what did... Did she say... Like, <laughs> did she tell them he can't make her come? Did, did she tell them he doesn't know where the clit is? <laughs> like, because... To me, I was like, that was my immediate assumption. Like, based on it went from generalized statements to suddenly it was foreplay related <laughs> to suddenly we don't actually get to know what Sophie said. And then Nate just says, fuck this. Like, that is so funny to me. I'm like, this has to be some kind of orgasm joke. Like, it has to be. I just, I, I do. I genuinely really love this episode. Like, Obviously, you've got all of the weird Gunter stuff. Mm. Like, unfortunately, there's not much we can do about it. I think that just boils down to, like, obviously, they were trying to do something in 2010. And, like, by 2010 standards, it's, like, it's not great, but it's not, like, terribly bad. But it has just, like, it has aged poorly. Mm. It's aged, like, supernatural. Actually, speaking (laughs) of which, I got to the end of this episode and they did the whole reveal that, like, they'd been watching the documentary. And I was like, oh, my God, they did this on Supernatural. This is just the plot of Ghost Faces. It's Ghost Faces, Gordon. And then it was so funny because my next thought was, are they going to steal the recording and destroy it with an intense magnet? <laughs> and then I was saved the trouble. Or they, rather, were yeah. saved the trouble because the guy destroys the disc themselves. And then Hardison makes the point that he's already gone and erased yeah. all other copies of this. And I was like, which means- is so funny to me that they literally were like, we're just going to do this, the plot of this supernatural episode, but make it leverage. So funny. But the thing is, like, the, the way that, you know, Hardison says, oh, I've already destroyed all of the other footage, mm-hmm. suggests to me that they waited to destroy the footage until after he'd already done the full edit mm-hmm. because they wanted to see it. Like, they want, like, 
You know, like they wouldn't have let, like if Hardison wanted to just, just destroy it, he could have destroyed it before any of this was done. Mm. He could have corrupted all of the files before the editing was done. But it says that, like, and the fact they're having like this viewing party at the bar, mm-hmm. which suggests they to me, <laughs> they invited him. They were like, mm, yeah, we want to see this before it's like, before we'll sign like a release waiver or whatever. Like we want to see this. That's so funny. Like, that's what it says to me. And I think that what backs that up is Elliot like having like by the end of this episode he's having quite a little giggle like he's he's had a good time watching this and i think that that kind of maybe comes down to like i don't know like he's getting to see like he got to see himself take out those dudes which i think is probably quite satisfying i actually think like the 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 fight choreography in choreography choreography (laughs) the fight choreo jesus christ the fight choreo in the scene where he's going to like question that dude in the paper warehouse mm. i love the way that shot and like the security and you see him like running flying over and the the fight choreo is actually really good for such a simple scene like i enjoy it immensely i think the way they did it is really well done like i think that is a very fun scene i very much actually enjoyed watching him scale the like towers of paper yeah yeah like that sort of like parkour element yeah. is actually what i liked the yeah. most about that because it's a fun way to see him utilizing the space. Yeah. Because he's not just chasing this guy on flat ground. He's no. like, oh, I can cut him off if I do this thing that he wouldn't be able to emulate. Yeah. And I think that that's very fun. Mm-hmm. And I do love that we get the little tiny snippet in of the dude being like, don't tell anyone I got beat up by an efficiency. Yeah. Very fun. Very fun. Oh, I want to talk about the CEO for a moment. Yeah. I think that they did something really interesting with him. Because... He's he really is big himbo energy. Yeah, he really is just sort of the embodiment of that like he's a bit confused but he's got the right spirit yeah. kind of energy like because he genuinely cares. He is 100% trying to do the right mm-hmm. thing. He's just not very good at it. Yeah. And like to be fair, it is seemingly a weird fucking career change to go from pro athlete to CEO of a greeting card company. Yeah. And to be like, fair, like they he, do explain it it was a family company and he got handed the position. Which, like, he didn't apply for it. It was nepotism. Yeah. <laughs> but it just seems whack that anyone would have given him that without at least getting him to do some kind of, like, cert <laughs> for or something in, like, business marketing. Like, they really just were like, yeah, we're yeah. just going to put you at this computer and hope you do good. Yeah. Like, I do like that he seemingly does have everyone's best intentions yeah. at heart. He's just... He's kind of like Hurley. Yeah. He's a little sweetie. He's just dumb as fucking shit. Mm, which is just bad for everyone. Yeah. Like, he's not intentionally malicious, but he is definitely still causing harm. He's not problem. malicious. He's just incompetent. Yeah. Is and, the issue. And unfortunately, incompetence... Is just as bad as maliciousness. It just doesn't have the same vitriol behind it. Yeah. It just doesn't have the same moral, yeah. like, Implications. Issues. Yeah. Yeah. It's just... But it's kind of the same outcome in a lot of ways. Hmm. One other thing about people being dumb. When the fucking printer starts making money or printing money. That one lady. The receptionist fucking walks into that meeting and is like, the printer started making money. We're all going to be rich. And I was literally like, are you stupid? I'm sorry, babe. That's not how it works. Are you? I was like, damn. What are you? What? What? Like, I really don't actually have anything more to say about yeah. it. I just think that that is the 
it really is a discredit to that woman. Yeah. That's the only interaction we have with her as the audience for the entire episode. And I feel like it discredits her. I don't think anyone could be that dumb. Like, if the... Like, I, I would have walked into the meeting being like, oh, hey, like... Sorry, like... It's I would really have weird. interrupted the meeting. Like, I would have taken it off the printer gone, huh, that's weird. <laughs> and then waited to speak to someone until yeah. after the fucking meeting had ended. And I also wouldn't be like, wow, we're going to be rich. <laughs> Because that's so stupid. It's not like she found, like, a pile of the counterfeit money somewhere or whatever and being, it was like, oh, like... Yeah. You know, like, oh. wild that we have this massive pile of euro, but, or like... if she had found, like, a briefcase full of cash somewhere. Yeah. And she'd been like, oh, my God, like, I can't believe I found this my lucky day. Like, while I still think that she should be inherently suspicious of a briefcase full of money... I can understand that a little more because at least it's real fucking money that is made in the currency of the country you are currently in. Or at least it would <laughs> appear to be actual. Yeah. Like, you but, know, it's like your printer just printed that. You know that's not actual money. But when a foreign nationality's currency starts coming out your office printer, like, and it's not like it's in individual pieces. Like, you would have to get a guillotine and fucking cut it yourself. And it, I. <laughs> Sorry, it's just so silly. It's so silly. I was like partially like, it seems whack to me that anyone could look at paper money and think it was real money because like, that's just not what Australian money is like. Oh yeah, ours is like fully <laughs> ours, plastic. Ours is plastic. Mm-hmm. So the one time that I had American like cash, I fucking hated it because you cannot get that shit wet. Mm. It just becomes, you know when you accidentally put a tissue through the washing machine? That's the fucking like, it just becomes this watered up ball and it's like so it has the structural integrity of toilet paper i mean it's better than toilet paper but not by a huge fucking amount it's like australian money you can do whatever the fuck like you can i mean you could cut it or yeah. like rip it if you really tried but like generally speaking you crumple it up it uncrumples relatively easily yeah. american money is like you crumple it and it's just fucking crumpled and also it's all the same fucking color so you have to like actually look at it to figure out how much money is like yeah. in your hand it could be a 100 dollar note it could be a 1 dollar note i'm like I swear no pink is five. Yeah. Yeah. Who has the time? We have Braille on our money. Yeah. But um, no, I while we're talking about paper this week though, there is like one tiny little character detail that I do adore. Sophie's tally book? Sophie's tally book, I do adore, and we will be discussing that one later. <laughs> okay. But what I was actually thinking of is there is the scene where they're all walking into like the copier room and Parker's spe- smelling the paper. And she's smelling the paper because it's the same paper used in money, so it smells like money. Yeah. That <laughs> like, makes sense, it's actually. Like, it's like, it's the tiniest little character detail. But we already know, like, she, in the ho-ho-ho job, when Nate and Sophie get her, like, an envelope of cash for Christmas, the first thing she does is smell it. That's actually really fun, because at that point, yeah. do we know that they're, like, printing money? Do we know that that's Yes. Lot? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Because I was going to say, I do think that it would be interesting if we got that before the reveal. Because yeah. that actually becomes a cue to the audience if you're paying yeah. enough attention. attention. No, it, it is after. Because basically, it's after that scene where they're like, oh, well, we need to find like the ink. We need to find the paper. And we need to find the printer. Mm-hmm. Like, if we want to work out who's doing this, we need to find those three things. We need to find all of the stuff associated with counterfeiting this money mm-hmm. so that we can nail whoever's do counterfeiting money for counterfeiting money. Um, yeah. So it's like Parker has found the paper that they are using to counterfeit the money. Mm-hmm. But no, this episode, I just, I like, I think it's very fun. I love the fact that you have like, you know, Sophie's starting to get to the point where she's like, oh, well, this is starting to become an issue. Like Nate 
isn't listening to me or like he's starting to put down my ideas, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to make a tally book of all of the times that he undermines me. Do you know what's so silly about it, though? And don't get me wrong. I love Sophie. Yeah. But I do think that she's... I think she's overreacting. Yeah. Like, because I don't think he's like... He's not dismissing her in the way that we have seen Nate do yeah. before. He's just saying, as is his job, given his position in the team, to be like, actually, I think there's a different way we could do it. Yeah. Or actually, here's a different angle. Or like, however, whatever. And I was like, I think it's a funny bit that yeah. Sophie has a tally book, but I also am kind of like, I, this would have made more sense in like season one. Yeah. When Nate was actually being a prick. Mm-hmm. You know? Though I do love the fact that she's like, this tally here specifically is because he sent me to buy a pint of milk. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, actually, that one's valid. But, like, what's the bet she was going to the shops anyway or something and he asked her to get milk? Like, Oh, I don't know, it is night. Yeah, it is night. But, you know, it's so funny. And then you get the whole bit of, like, she told me that reverse favoritism was, like, a thing with workplace mm-hmm. relationships. And Nate's like, oh, I'm going to I'm gonna do that specifically now just to prove a point. And it's like, mm-hmm. you're all are just being, like, children. And it's fun. petty little shits. And sometimes it irritates mm-hmm. me, but in this instance, it was fun. It's, like, endearing. Like, I love it when characters are petty. Like, mm-hmm. if you look at what my favorite Taylor Swift songs are, they're all the petty ones. <laughs> Like, if someone's being petty in a, in a song, like, that is my new favorite song. I love <laughs> – I am so petty myself that, like, you know, people are going to have the most heart-wrenching love songs. I don't give a shit. Give me the shit where they're being petty as hell. That's that's what I want. I want people being petty because I am petty and I like it when other people are also petty. That explains so much about your supernatural blue boys. <laughs> they are very petty. <laughs> Meg Zachariah. <laughs> Ghost faces. <laughs> Meg Zechariah, the ghost faces. Even Crowley is petty, petty as, as fucking hell. hell. Cass is petty, Cass is petty as, as hell. Like, <laughs> give me a character who's petty, and I'm like, mm, yeah, bitch, that's me. I think Parker's actually the exception to the rule. Oh, fuck. Like, I think Parker's the only one that I wouldn't describe as petty in terms of, like, my favorite characters. I you think know what I mean? She like, sometimes can behave in a petty way, but I don't think she as a character is petty. No. I think Sophie's definitely petty. Sophie's petty. But I'm also obsessed with Sophie. Like, mm-hmm. in terms of my Blorbo list. Nate is super petty. Yeah. Like, my Blorbo list is Parker top tier, and then Sophie Hardison, like, interchangeable, then Elliot, then Nate. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, Sophie is up there. Sophie yeah. is, like, a, a close number two to Parker. Like, and again, Hardison is also very petty. Oh, yeah. When, I mean, the entire dynamic between Sophie and Nate and Hardison and Elliot this episode is just they're being petty at each other. Yeah. Like, <laughs> they're just it. having, like, they're just being petty. And that's okay. That's fun. It, it's really nice because, like, I feel like a lot of TV shows like this, they really shy away from having their characters just be kind of petty towards each other. Mm. It's like, no, these people are interacting with each other, like, six, seven days a week. Like, they have been interacting with each other for quite frequently for long stretches of time for the last four to five years. You're going to start being a little bit petty. <laughs> like, they're allowed to be a little bit petty. They're allowed to have these, like, little niggling arguments that don't really mean a lot. They're just, you know, kind of sick of each other a little bit because they've been interacting so often. It's you know? also, like, I think that this also comes down to, like, I know that you say, like, petty arguments because you're sick of each other. I also think it comes down to, like, sometimes you argue with your friends for fun. Yeah. Like, I will have a full-blown... Naomi and I have a long-standing argument about whether or not she should buy a printer for the household. I think it's stupid. She maintains that it's a great idea. And unfortunately, when I put it to vote, 
Naomi won the vote. Uh, apparently our friends also think that she should get a printer. Mind you, whether or not they voted that just because they wanted me to lose is up for debate, honestly. But like, for, No, we very clearly wanted you to lose. Oh, see, this is my point. But like, so it's stuff like that. Like Naomi and I will continue to bicker about whether or not we need a printer for the household. Mm-hmm. Not because we're actually having a debate about the necess- necessity of a printer, mm-hmm. But just because sometimes it's fun to give each other shit for no reason about something completely unimportant. Mm. Like, whether or not we actually end up with a printer is besides the point. The point is that sometimes it's fun to argue just because it is. Yeah. And, like, we're just giving each other shit. And it's fun to argue about stuff that's not important. Yeah. Honestly, both our podcasts is just kind of us arguing about nothing. Yeah. (laughs) Like, and it's fun. Mm. It's how I show affection. (laughs) Oh, but like, and like the thing is, if Naomi got a printer, it would ultimately probably not impact you at all because you'd probably oh, put it yes, in. Yes, the- it would. It would drive me insane because you'd start printing shit and putting it all over the house. This is why. This is why. When I took this to my to my friends as a vote, I said that if she won, I would have to start preparing myself to end up with pictures of Tony Danza all around the house because she and her sister have this ongoing joke about Tony Danza and they put pictures of Tony Danza around her parents' house and I don't want that shit in my house. Nothing against Tony Danza specifically. It's just that I don't know the man and I don't want him on my wall. But see, Naomi would be so valid for that. See, and this is the kind of energy we're bringing to the argument. It's like there's no heat in it. It's just silly. But, and, like, that's the kind of energy that I'm enjoying out of, like, Hardison and Elliot. Like, I enjoy that they're just bantering about nothing. Like, obviously, there's, like, a bit of heat because of the sandwich or whatever. But ultimately, it boils down to nothing. Yeah. Like, it is not the end of the world. It's just kind of, like, the excuse for them to give each other shit and be a bit more annoying than normal. You know? Oh, yeah, I know. I've watched this show more times than you have, mate. I mean, I'm not trying to undermine your expertise. I'm just I'm more. Do you know what I mean with my point? Not do you know what I mean about the show that you're the expert on? I know. I feel, I feel like you meant the first one. <laughs> I'm not doing this with you, Jamie. I'm not engaging. <laughs> I don't actually think I have too much else to add. Like, I yeah, love this episode. I think it's really fun. Like, the character dynamics are really fun. Anyway, how would you rate the office job out of five? I'm going to give it a four. Mm-hmm. I think if it wasn't for the weird shit with Parker, then I'd give it a 4.5. Because I did very much enjoy this episode. I had very few notes. And typically that happens when I'm really enjoying an episode because... You're vibing, you're engaged, you're not sitting there just making notes. Yeah, because the thing is, if I start taking a lot of notes about episodes that I'm really enjoying because they're very fun and lighthearted, my notes just end up being mostly the cry laughing emoji. Yeah. And that's not very much help Mm. without the context of the scene I just watched. So I find it much easier to just watch the episode and enjoy it for what it is and then, like, just pull from memory with, like, limited notes. And the thing is, yeah, I was just vibing this episode. It's very fun. It's very silly. It's it's the kind of thing where, like, you could fully remove it from the show mm. and it wouldn't change anything really in terms of characterization or plot. But also I wouldn't want it to be removed from the show because it is just such a fun it kind of feels like the kind of fan fiction where you literally just put the characters in a situation, mm-hmm. but it's like a no stakes situation. It's like yeah. reading a fanfic where it's like a fluff piece where they yeah. do laundry. Mm-hmm. You know, that's kind of how it feels. Yeah. Even though there are stakes, yeah. they just don't feel as high yeah. as normal. And there's no other like external plot mm-hmm. stuff happening. It's very much interpersonal and it's just a bit of fun. Mm-hmm. And like they're breaking the usual narrative structure, which is also always fun almost in any show that it happens in. 
Lovely. I think that's a very fair rating. And I, I would agree. Like, I think it is really just fully let down by the fact that it does have those weird, icky, gross bits in it regarding Parker. Mm. But the next episode is called The Lonely Hearts Job. What do you think it's going to be about? I want to say that The Lonely Hearts is ringing a bell in my mind, but I've got no idea what the bell's in reference to. Like, Mm. I want to say that, like, maybe, like, The Lonely Hearts Club or something. Like, hang on a minute. Let me – can I Google? Yeah, you can – there's a 2000 – I was actually Googling that myself. There's a 2006 film called Lonely Hearts, and there's a Lonely Hearts Club, which is a song by Marina. Oh, The Lonely Hearts Book Club might be what I'm thinking of. Which is a book. Oh, okay. It's a. Re- it was published this year in, in late mm-hmm. March. So I've probably just heard about this book at some point. It looks like the kind of thing that would probably show up on my TikTok. <laughs> Hang on, let me look at Goodreads for a tick. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, I think that. I think that maybe I've just seen this book pop up somewhere. It's very much like, um, like it's about an impromptu book club, mm-hmm. basically. So I, I the cover looks really familiar. I feel like maybe I've mm-hmm. seen it at some point on BookTok. Um, that's clearly not going to be what the episode title is in reference to. I mean, Lonely Hearts, if I think of the word heart, I'm going to take it one of three ways. Number one, I'm going to take it very literally anatomically and I'm going to think about hearts. Um, but we did just have the cross my heart job. Yeah, exactly. Which was literally about hearts. Yeah. Um, (laughs) or I'm going to think about it in terms of like love and affection and what a heart would Mm. typically like symbolize or... The other thing that I always fall into is a heart as in like in cards, like mm-hmm. as in the house. Yeah. So knowing leverage, mm-hmm. given that we've, like you just said, recently have like an anatomical kind of heart direction, I'm probably leaning towards one of this the This isn't like two. a supernatural, how often are they going to do vampires or yeah, almost this extinct sort of thing? I'm not going to be like, ah, oh, yes, this is going to be the leverage version of my bloody Valentine. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I feel like... Maybe it's not going to be to do with, like, hearts as in romance. Because I feel like we've actually had pretty heavy-handed romance the last few weeks. And I feel like maybe they're not going to lean into it super hard next episode. I mean, to be fair, I'm not basing that on anything except that we've had a lot of romance recently. That could honestly be an indicator of the opposite. That could be an indicator that we're coming up to some more romance. But Mm. the other direction is to do with cards and we have had a lot of, like, games, particularly mm. card games, just like we've had before, like yeah. the three-card Monty job. Mm. We've had chess recently. Like, and we talk about analogies and, like, yeah. games and stuff pretty regularly, yeah. especially with Nate and Sterling. It's and- the sort of thing, whereas if you have something that's referencing, like, three-card Monty or, like, card games, typically you're talking about, like, Nate and Nate's connection to his father specifically. Yeah, and what I think might be interesting, like, especially that mm. you mentioned Nate's father, because that's actually where I was about to go with it. We've recently had... Sophie mentioned like do that yeah. whole thing about like oh your dad used to run these poker games and Nate had that whole point about ah oh, yeah I want to be more like my dad and so I feel like it would be interesting if they introduced um his dad again mm-hmm. and you also got to remember that this was actually meant to go before the boys night out job mm-hmm. so the boys night out job is actually the episode before this next episode okay so yeah so if you're like because that like thinking about this in terms of like a card game, it would be interesting to make it like if it's a reference to both the three card Monty job, and that would also make Sophie and Nate's little discussion there yeah. kind of foreshadowing, like reminding the audience of like who Jimmy Ford was mm-hmm. and what he did. 
Also, and also the fact they specifically reference Jimmy Ford used to have a poker game. Yeah, which is, again, yeah. like, pulling it back to cards. Mm-hmm. And also, I think that it might be interesting, like, obviously the specification of lonely. I get the implication that Jimmy is not the kind of person who has a lot of ongoing connections. Mm-hmm. And we've also had a lot of, like, highlighting Nate as kind of a lonely character recently because they've asked him, like, you know, who do you even talk to outside of the crew? Maggie doesn't count. And, like... <laughs> talking about you don't have any hobbies or interests outside of work and maybe this might be like a moment of like family reconciliation mm-hmm. maybe like i'm not 100% sure if that's the direction that i would predict them to go in but given the title given the reference to cards and like i said i think i can pretty much not 100% obviously but i mm-hmm. feel confident in discounting my other two immediate kind of connections mm-hmm. to the term heart I feel like maybe it wouldn't be it wouldn't be shocking for me if they brought back Jimmy. Yeah. Basically. Okay. Alright, lovely. If that's what you're predicting for next week. Yeah, I think so. We're ruling out medical hearts. We're ruling out hearts as in love. Well, we're at least going in with romance. I'm ruling yeah. out romance mm-hmm. specifically. I think that it because I'm thinking of Jimmy because of the hearts mm-hmm. and the cards and stuff, I'm thinking that it could be related to familial or like just like interpersonal connections more generally like community maybe yeah. more generally and family just generally yeah is separate to romantic yeah. you're leaning more towards like a lonely hearts as in like the hearts in terms of clubs and hearts I, and spades and yeah diamonds. And like i'm thinking for me nate and jimmy give very cats in the cradle yeah. energy and so i think that maybe like jimmy is getting older like he might be realizing shit mm-hmm maybe I should actually have not kept betraying my son and maybe I should have Mm -hmm. actually, you know, spent time. Like, Mm -hmm. I also think it would be very interesting given where Nate and Sophie are at this minute, maybe Sophie getting Mm -hmm. to meet Jimmy and, like, that being sort of a... Because that's that's quite a Mm -hmm. milestone in a relationship typically is introducing your partner. Well, not necessarily parents, but, like, the people that you're closest to. Like, for Mm -hmm. me, like, typically... it my partner meeting my friends mm-hmm. holds more significance than necessarily than meeting my family just because of like my social dynamic with my family. But like in this instance, I think that obviously Sophie already knows basically everyone Nate is close to because it's mm-hmm. the crew and Maggie mm-hmm. and maybe Sterling, you know? And so, you know that Sophie and Maggie are already besties. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and we know so this. I think that it would make sense for her and Jimmy to be, like, introduced in that yeah. capacity, I suppose. Okay. You know. Lovely. Well, thank you so much for listening today. If you've had a fun time, please join us again next week for The Lonely Hearts Job. If you want to interact with us at all, you can find us on various social media platforms. All of the links will be in the description below. You can talk to us about literally anything, but suggested conversation topics include should Bethany's roommate Naomi buy a printer? Oh, my God. No. Yes. <laughs> no. Yes. She, it's a waste of money. We both work at jobs where we can print shit there and I go to uni and I can print shit there too. I get a $100 printer allowance every fucking year and I never use it. Unfortunately, though, it's weird <laughs> to print photos of Tony Danza at work. Which is why I wouldn't do that. <laughs> Which I think is just a real shame for Naomi. Like, you really got to let her artistic wings fly. <sighs> no. <laughs> This is where I draw the line. 
Fuck. Okay. Um, other things people can talk about instead of weighing in on that. Um, Have you ever made the sandwich that Elliot describes? Oh, yeah. Do you think a bagel is a sandwich? Or oh. do you think we're insane for saying that anything on a burger patty, like, sorry, anything oh. on a burger bun is a burger and not a fucking sandwich? Like, what's your definition? And, like, I'm not, we're not getting into the is a hot dog a sandwich debate. We're I would say not. Because well, it's not on bread. Well, it is on bread. It's just on a bun. But, like, right. that's not the but argument bread we're is having. not a bun. It's a bread product. As a nutrition student, it's a bread product. I understand this bread product. However, it, a bun is bread, right? We can agree yes. on that. It's a bread product. Bun status trumps bread status. No. All buns are bread, but it's more important that it's a bun and less important that it's bread. Well, you're just distinguishing. Like a yeah. baguette is bread, yeah. but you call it a baguette because it's the style of bread. bread. So when I say bread, I'm being really lazy. I mean a loaf of bread. Yeah. Yeah. So if it's not on a slice of bread from a loaf of bread, then it's not a sandwich. Yeah, but it's still bread. Yes. I'm just really lazy and don't make the distinction. So if I say bread, I mean sandwich bread. And I just don't say sandwich bread. Like it's called sandwich bread for a reason. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Thank you so that much for so listening. Poor pointlessly complicated that was the most confusing way you could have explained that (laughs) thank you so much for listening please join us again next week for the lonely hearts job bye (laughs) i even forgot to do my fucking bit